Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul, Angeline, and today we're talking about what alignment. Like when your tires need to go to the tire person. Yes, that is a tired joke. If you say so, <laughs> you say I do, groaners. We're witty to this morning. So alignment. What are they? Why do, do they we exist? need to discuss it? Well, I think it's interesting because I think a lot of people are saying that, well, one, uh, D&D 6th edition is coming out within a few years, within the next one or two years. Are they going to put alignment back into it? Well, there is alignment, right, in 5th edition. Okay. But there's there's rumors that they're going to get rid of it. And, uh, and I, and I got to wonder why alignments and i kind of wonder why alignments even exist in fifth edition i think it's uh it's a holdover from the older years the yesteryears it might be time for alignments to go some people still like alignments if you look at the history of alignments i think in original D D. well i know in original D D there was just law chaos and not, evil no it was neutrality or something like that so there was uh, just that and they were just Random. I don't want to say random, but uh, they were very broad, right? They were very broad as to what, what, it, what they meant and w w how they impacted the game. Because there was no, other than just that, there was a very short description of what it, what they were, and that characters and monsters kind of followed these concepts. <laughs> I'm not sure about monsters following concepts, but okay, go on. Well, because dragons would be the law or chaos and stuff like that. Everything got changed in AD and D. That's uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. And when that came out, alignment was definitely more codified, right? They had the three boxes. They had, it was uh, good to evil and from law to chaos. So that gave you a three by three grid. And in it was all these alignments, you know, chaotic evil, chaotic neutral, neutral evil, chaotic neutral, n lawful neutral, true neutral, and then lawful good. Neutral good, chaotic good. Maybe next time you should have the box in front of you so it's not so hard for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I mixed them all up, but yeah, but there's nine of them. Uh, everybody who plays D&D &D since second, first, a D and d has known about these alignments. They were, the reason they were codified or, you know, they were, well, they were codified is because they had an impact in the game. There was an impact of, of like, for example, a paladin had to be lawful good. And it said that if, uh, if uh, what was it? It was in the rules. Like, so in the description of the character class, as I remember, now I might be a little bit hazy. I should have looked it up. But I'm pretty close because I'm pretty sure I'm right because I played a paladin, a terrible paladin at that, if you look at it, the role-playing aspects. But we were pretty much motor hobos at that time. And, uh, my, and if you commit an act of chaoticness, then you have to ask penance for doing the... Well, you must have been asking a lot of penance then. Well, no, it never really entered into the game because we didn't really deal with that stuff. I think that one of the reasons they have alignment for, especially for paladins, mm -hmm. not especially for paladins, but how it affects paladins, because paladins are the closest thing to a knight, really. Yeah. And the the idea of, of chivalry and, and that a knight is always out for justice, right? So like the Knights Templar. Right. And But the problem is, is that how do you play that? I mean, 
I've only known one person who played a paladin, probably a dwarf paladin, when Don was playing the paladin. And I think it was third edition. Yes. He's the only person that I've ever seen really stick to that kind of straight up lawful good, right? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally agree. Because a lot of paladins, I mean, if you're going to kill something, there has to be, it either has to be evil, right? Correct. Or you have to do some kind of check to see if you're going to turn evil, I guess, or something like that. Well, I was saying in the original rules, uh, AD&D paladins had this thing with, if you did a chaotic act, you had to ask for penance. And until that happened, you would lose some abilities. And if you did an evil act, definition of evil is depending on who you are, you would lose your paladinhood forever. That would make it hard to, that would make it hard to be a paladin. <laughs> I think so. I mean, there's a fine line you have to walk, and what is the definition of an evil act, right? I guess it all depends on... Your GM? Yes, there's that. (laughs) I was going to say your point of view, but definitely your GM. I think the paladin is a good example of alignment because... But if you think about it, the knight and the knight who's on a quest trying to to do something (laughs) is going to have a... Is, is always going to have conflicts, right? Especially if you're, so you're a paladin, you're with these people that, what if you have a rogue in your party or yeah, a thief? That's, cla- that's a classic, that's a classic uh, party construction. What do you do in that situation? Especially when a rogue is evil, right? A lot of people try to get away with rogues being like the neutral evil or neutral good or true neutral or whatever, or chaotic neutral. But sometimes, you know, the, there's not only goodness in the paladin, there is the whole idea of lawfulness. Right. right. Depending on how you look at lawful good and what it means and what it entails, would you allow a rogue to, you knowingly allow him to rob people and pick people's pockets, even though it's, you know, using quotes which nobody can see, but good for the party, right? Like they need somebody's set of keys. And the Paladin, if you're lawful good, I'm thinking it's going to cause some issues. Issues, right. And that's a classic example of a party makeup that alignment really comes in and, and kind of butts heads with, makes characters butt heads against each other. I don't think anybody really in real life or anything uh, fits or has been this way. I mean, that's the weird thing is that it, it became in AD&D, it was like, well, aren't you a paladin? I don't think you could do that. I don't think you would do that, right? Or I don't think you would allow this to happen. There was always those arguments between players, not characters. Yes. And it was always interesting. The the more interesting aspects is when you get into these moral quandaries, right? I still remember, I don't know if you were there, you probably stopped playing by that point, <laughs> where they had a, 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 a prisoner, I think it was Orc, and... They got into a big discussion about whether to kill him or not kill him. And uh, I let them go on for like 10 or 20, 20 minutes. It was a long time. And then finally I said, you know, you guys got to act because there's a huge, it was like an army coming toward you. And he was this advanced scout or something. And Don, playing the paladin, wanted to kill him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, fr- I think it was uh, the guy from Salinas with the beard. Ward. 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 They had made a, a, comp- a compact. A- a compromise? A, com- uh, a, con- uh, <laughs> a deal. I'm, I'm trying to figure out the word he's trying to say a by deal, looking at him. A deal with the orc saying that if they divulge, if he divulged information, they would let him go. Was Ward a, a part orc? 
Yes, he was half orc. So was Steve. Yes. So there were two half orcs talking to this orc. Yes. Yes. And the party agreed to it. And then he divulged any information that he had willingly, you know, when his life was on the line. And then they go, we're going to let him go. And then that's when the, the paladin goes, uh, no, we can't let him go. And so it's, it's a big old conversation ensued. And then they were both talking and talking. And then paladins being the way they are, he goes. He just killed him. Yeah. Time for talking is done. And he killed the, the orc. Like I said, he's the only person that I've ever, that, why he was in a party with two half orcs, I'm not sure. I mean, that's, that's just destiny, I guess. Well, one orc was a, was a monk. Yeah. And the whole idea was, for me, I thought it was an interesting combination, is that they were both supposedly, uh, well, they were both lawful good. Steve, he was a very lawful good player. Type. He's just chaotic. Yes. But I thought it was an interesting idea that here's a, is a, these, uh, there's this half orc who's a monk who's trying to be a monk, who's trying to stay a monk and being lawful good. And uh, his church or the, the church not bonded him, but had him play with, or not play with, but had him be partnered up with uh, the dwarf paladin. Flint was his name, I think. And as a way of teaching him how to be lawful good and making sure that he stayed in the lawful good direction. I thought it was an interesting idea, and that's how I looked at it. Of course, Steve nothing you know, was always doing stuff that was not very lawful at he all. He wasn't a paladin, though, was he? No, he was a monk. Yeah. But they had the same thing. He had to be lawful as a monk in AD&D. I mean, third well, edition? This, at this time we're playing third yeah, edition. Yeah, it was third edition. But I think you st- they still have that. They still had that, uh, that caveat or that prerequisite. That you had to be lawful to be a monk. Hmm. You had to be lawful good, lawful evil, or lawful neutral. I don't know why. I guess uh, because of the the tight structure of the of the, mm-hmm. of the society. Anyway, uh, other than that, you know, most times alignment never comes into play. And then there's, of course, there's there was these uh, spells where uh, like uh, cleric spells were aligned were aligned good or evil. And so as a uh, as a, let's say a lawful good priest couldn't throw evil spells right yeah more or less stuff like that there was all these things but for the most part uh fifth edition comes out and they really kind of do away with all that stuff right there's no there's no spells that have alignments on them right there's no evil yeah spells. i don't know well, ian always plays like a, a wizard or something mm-hmm. and he's always halfway no matter what his alignment is He's a little chaotic and is in, well, you could use this, even though I would consider it evil spell-wise, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, using compulsion or using, making, you know, things that I would consider evil. He, because he he always plays neutral. Chaotic neutral at that, I think. But I don't know. Alignment is hard if you're throwing spells or being a paladin. Do you want to? go to the dark side. And I know some people don't mind playing that way, but I always have a, I'm like, I don't know if that would really be considered good or chaotic if you're doing something evil. I think it's interesting that we, we have this discussion going, but also, you know, we, we look at, I, lo- I was looking at alignment. I'm like, well, why did they even make up this alignment business? What is it? What does it, what's the purpose of it? Is it, I always thought it was to keep people from being evil, right? To play, from keeping to play evil characters. 
But I don't know if that's true. I mean, that's just an idea that I had ever since I first started playing D&D. Probably because you played with a Boy Scout. That's true. But I don't know. I think uh, it was inter- it's an interesting, uh, it's just an interesting part of D&D that, that has stayed with it for a long time. And, and I think the, like I said, the first one was uh, original D&D, just had this little blurb about it. Nothing about characters had to be this or had to be that, but there wasn't that many character classes. There was fighting, a fighter, a magic user, and a cleric. I think maybe as people started playing and they created advanced D&D, maybe they got feedback from people where they were saying, you know, this is happening. You need to do something about it. Yeah. I, I, I think the idea of feedback is, is that... Is a new thing? Well, no, it's not a new thing, but... Remember, old days, it was in computers, so the feedback wasn't... Like, now, you get tons of feedback, whether you want it or not. Your game sucks. Your idea sucks. <laughs> You're ugly, right? And and it, because it's a it's a keystroke away. In the old days... You, you had, had to write a letter? Write a letter, right? Either typewrite it or <laughs> handwrite it. Or find somebody's phone number and try to get them on the phone. No, that that I don't, I don't know about that either. But you most likely, you would have to write them. And that did happen, right? We ha- we we've talked about different uh, games, especially the ones that were created in the eighties. Uh, I don't think we've talked about Lee Gold, but Lee Gold was uh, was an avid fan of role playing games, and uh, she would write to this one company called Fancy Games Unlimited because she was always asking questions about chivalry and sorcery, which was their a fantasy RPG, and she kept writing them like constantly, like every week. She would be reading rules, and she'd go, "What about this? What about that? And what about this? And what about that?" And uh, and then she would start asking about like a an Asian or a Japanese samurai type of game, or a offshoot of of silver and sorcery. And they said, "Well, why don't you write it?" And she had spent some time in Japan, I think, and she had lived there for a few months and she researched stuff and she wrote, uh, I believe it's called uh, Land of the Rising Sun is what Lee Gold wrote. It was basically a supplement for chivalry and sorcery. And that's, that's pretty interesting. I mean, that somebody got a job or was able to get something published because they kept asking questions about a rule set. So that's pretty, that's a lot of dedication because you, you know, like I said, it wasn't like the age of now where you can just write something on your, email and send it off to hundreds of thousands of people if you want or and not even email twitter and yeah you just social media them oh and back then she she wrote letters and had to put them in the mail and they had to reopen them they could have just tossed out the mail companies were a lot different back then they would open the mail and read them and like oh yeah this this, this person they has, still do this person has a, whether it's mail or yeah but i mean i think i forget what the the numbers of people who write letters it's gone down substantially. No, but they they now they go to companies through LinkedIn and and to their company websites. Oh yeah, yeah, I see what you're and saying. leave ridiculous comments everywhere with their ideas, their complaints. But I th- I think in a way back then it was like only people who really committed would write a letter, right? I mean, how much time does it take to get write an email or a comment and then send it off? Nothing, but. I think it takes a little bit more to like send a letter, and which you didn't have a choice back then. I forget why I got 
I was talking about her. We were talking about how maybe alignment changed because people, oh, yeah. or alignment was added because people had questions. Or... Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it had to do with the addition of all these other classes, like the, the thief, uh, the paladin, those two in particular. I, I don't know if they, I don't think there was an assassin character. There was an assassin that maybe in, no, it wasn't even the second edition because second edition was really trying to be goody two shoes for uh, specific reasons, right? I think it's interesting. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it had to probably be, had to be with those two uh, character classes. And then the cleric, it was more codified. You could be an evil cleric, a good cleric. And so the the even the spells were evil or good. And then there was the reverse of it. Like if you could heal wounds, the reverse of it was cause wounds. Uh, but and then the cause wounds was considered evil spell. So I think it just got more uh, structured in second in A D and D Advanced Dungeons and Dragons than from uh, original D and D. And and I, I think it's just a holdover since then, right? People have always had alignments, uh, played with alignments, and they they look at it as a piece of what makes D and D D and D, right? The only time I ever really hear about characters' alignments is if someone at the table says, "Would your character do that?" Yeah. I thought you were, I thought you were good, or stuff like that. Right, right, and 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 that does happen, right? That's the way I've heard alignments come into play when somebody believes that the other player isn't playing their character according to their alignment. Then people are not like that, right? That's the thing. Like there's this idea that. Like you mentioned knights and the, and the real knights Templar, but they weren't really good people, right? No. And right. Yeah. You know, they, they did a lot of nasty stuff, which if it was a D&D game, they wouldn't stay knights in a certain sense. Or paladins. Or paladins in that sense. Just talking about that, the idea that alignment for knights or paladins yeah. is, I mean, that's if you're a hero, heroes always have flaws, right? Okay. So... The flaw is the part that you're trying to overcome to be the hero right. or to be the best paladin. Just because you're a lawful good paladin, if you see your mother get slaughtered by something, you're going to kill it, right? The emotion would overtake you, and then you might feel bad afterwards, but <laughs> Probably maybe not. not. <laughs> <laughs> In that sense. But I agree that uh, the, that, would, that stuff that would happen. It could happen, right? As you know, I've been reading the Robert Jordan books again, yes. um, the Wheel of Time series, and the person that stands out to me the most when we talked about this episode was um, Galad. Yeah, the uh, he's the the one the, of the, the a prince princess. and yeah. his sister and his brother say, just don't tell him because he always does what is right, even if it's going to get himself or somebody else into trouble. He always does what he thinks is right. He never sways from that, no matter what's going to happen. Right. And whenever I read him in the story, I'm like, ah, he's like a lawful good. Whatever he believes is lawful and good, that's what he's going to do. Well, that has, that's not, I don't know about good because you just, well, I guess. It, it could does. be neutral, lawful neutral. Uh, I don't know. I think you're right. But I think he's like epitome of a knight. Uh, I'm sure Robert Jordan, he, yeah. he, he did play D&D, yeah. right? Uh, he said he ran it for his children. If you look at the introduction or the forward to uh, the Wheel of Time RPG, he admits that he was uh, this killer D&D DM that, you know, he just, 
he ran the game. If the, as our friend Mike says, he would let the chips fall where they may. If you know they die, they die. They roll up a new character and continue going. And I think you know with that in mind, I don't know which came. For, well, I don't know which came first, the D and D or the other books. But uh, I think yeah, Galahad is definitely a epitome of a of a D and D paladin. But do people use, I don't think people use alignment anymore. Like, not like, and did they ever really use alignment? I don't remember. See, that's the thing. That's what I say. The only time I ever hear about alignment is someone is questioning your, your actions. Are, would you really do that? You're, you are lawful, lawful good. Why would you do that? Or you're right. true neutral. Why would you do? Well, I don't know. I don't know how you would play true neutral. Yeah, that's another quandary. How would you play some of these uh alignment like that's why i always neutral. pick chaotic good because then i'm good right but you also can do anything you want because of. that's the and i think a lot of people pick that because then no one's going to question them on, on stuff like that right another one is neutral good and you don't really care but you'll fall on the side of good for the most part for the most part right you really don't care and you're right i used to believe that and i sort of still do that chaotic good is probably one of the most used or the most uh, picked alignments. But neutral good, I think it probably falls in that too. But you believe in this idea of balance and neutrality and stuff like that. But you fall on the side of good a little bit. So I like I said, I've been playing with the same people for 40 years, right? And none of us really cared about alignment. If I had played D&D with like 10 groups, right? Or played D&D when I went to conventions. Like I go to conventions, but I don't play D&D because... I play in a, I've been playing D&D, like I said, since 1977. So why would I want to go and play D&D at a con? I would like to play a different game, a game that I don't usually get to play, which is usually like Deadlands or I play just anything and everything at con. So my experience with other groups playing D&D and knowing if they use alignments or don't is kind of, you know, not very, I'm not very experienced in that. And I don't know if people, if we're an outlier, our group is an outlier that says, well, we don't really care about the alignment. It's just something we fill in the box and then kind of forget about it. And it seems to me from the little that I've seen people play and a little bit that I've seen other people play and talk about it, they do the same thing. It's just a little, oh, it's chaotic, CG, the CG? Yes. Yeah, CG, LG, right? It's just, that's all it is. <coughs> Of course, unless you're a paladin or a rogue, and especially if you're in the same party. <laughs> so is there a better way to, well, what, what are you, I always thought, it, uh, so what is alignment supposed to do? Is it supposed to be your moral compass? Because I, I, I always thought that, that that was it. That was what, what to guide you at the player and how to play your character. I don't know about moral compass, but I think it, I think the same thing that it's supposed to give you a, an idea of, of what you, the parameters are for your character, right? If you're right. chaotic good, you really need to be doing, you, you need to be doing stuff for the good of your party, a village, the world. Right. And just because you're chaotic, you may or may not do what you're supposed to do all the time, right? Well, I think chaoticness has to do with how you follow law or do you break the law. The ends justify the means, something like that. There's this long... You can you can look up articles and there's everybody has an opinion on it and what each alignment means and how you would play. I think it's even in the in the in the fifth edition book. You would look at this you know this long paragraphs of to what 
describing what these alignments are. The problem is, is, and I've always had this problem, is that people are not just one alignment, right? We had this discussion about the the speed limit, right? I said, <laughs> well, if you go five miles over the speed limit, that would make you chaotic good. And you go, how could it be good? Because you're not being lawful. And I'm like... Well, because you, you're trying to get somebody to a certain lo- uh, location before it's too late. Myself, to work. <laughs> I mean... But you, you don't commute on a freeway, so that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the, the idea of breaking the law, right? Uh, the speed limit. There's some people who, who, don't go to speed, who don't go over the speed limit because there's multiple factors. One, it's more dangerous to go faster. And two, it saves gas if you don't go... Over 70. the speed limit. Yeah, I think the speed limit, I forget what the best, uh, best, uh, the best speed to go when you're on a freeway. It's between 55 and 65, I'm guessing. So right around there. And, uh, and definitely just in my own car, uh, I drive a Volvo station wagon. So it stays pretty much under between 2,000, 3,000 RPMs. But I notice if I'm starting hitting 80, it starts creeping over 3,000 RPM steady. Uh, otherwise, it just, meanders between two and three thousand and doesn't usually go above 20 2500 no matter what speed i'm going except when i'm going on the freeway so i think uh i think that's the reason why we have that speed limit and in fact you know they you do saves lives right 55 saves lives on the freeway at least here in california i don't know if you're in the different parts of the world whether they care about your speed so it saves gas and saves lives if you get in a car wreck that makes sense to me. So uh, there's some people who would like look at that and say, oh, that's a good reason to, to not drive fast. And if you're not in a hurry, you, they drive the speed limit. But, and I pretty much drive the speed limit now because I'm terrified, not terrified, but I really don't want a ticket, right? I haven't had a, never had a speeding ticket. The only moving violation I had was improperly wearing a seatbelt, which I could go on an hour tirade about <laughs> the dumb cops that gave me that ticket. And I didn't realize that it was a moving violation, so I just didn't care about it. And then it became a moving violation. So I had to go to freaking traffic school. Traffic school. And like everybody there, I hate to digress, but everybody there, total lawbreakers, right? Total lawbreakers. They're like speeding, exhibition of speed, uh, all these, uh, you know, running red lights. And it's like an AA club, right? Who are you? What's your, what did you do wrong? Right. This was this, this comedian guy was doing the class. And I said, oh, I, uh, I improperly wearing a seatbelt. And then you look, gave me a double look. Go, okay. How do you do that? And I go, I go, basically my dad who owned a 1972 Grand Torino, which I had borrowed to go to work. He had cut off the lap, the, 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 the shoulder, shoulder, shoulder restraint because he didn't like it. So I was driving, I was driving that car and it, they stopped me. And then they I gave thought me you weren't going to digress. Well, they gave me a ticket for that. And so, so but I, what I'm saying is there was a whole room of lawbreakers in that room. And I was trying, to, I was wearing the seatbelt, but I literally could not have put on the lap belt. I mean, shoulder the Shoulder strap. restraint. And now 1972, for those of you who are not old enough to remember or ever been in that car or that kind of, that year car, the, there was a lap belt. And then you had a, a different belt that would hang on the on the on the side of the roof, or the, the and then you would have to actually unhook it and, uh, and attach it, it attach it to the seatbelt again. So it had two, so it had two different latches and two different locking mechanisms. So it, 
so he he never put it on so he just cut it off so when i told that i go this is not my car i are you giving me a ticket for improperly wearing a seatbelt? now that's why they pulled me over right because they knew that yeah a right restraint. yeah anyway so i thought it was kind of funny that i was trying to follow the law in a certain sense but i couldn't because literally i couldn't there was no shoulder restraint to put in so that makes that makes sense for a D party right you're <laughs> walking down the road and you're attacked you have to kill them that's true that's true anyway so th- there was a lot of uh i think i I'm being think... facetious you don't have to kill people that's you true. can always talk to them right so i think alignment like, like i said for me never really kind of took a front seat to anything unless when unless we were playing with the paladin so is is there another way to do that? What alignment is trying to do, and I'm not even sure what alignment is trying to do. Whether it's just a me- a mechanical uh, game element, or is it really trying to push or or be the morality? I think it's I I, I think it's more trying to help you how you're going to play your character. Okay, and I think fifth edition put in the questions that you have to answer. You know, are you a what what is your what are the, you know the questions that are there when you make your character not traits but the flaws and all that yeah, stuff yeah like like you know i'm i like to look at myself in the mirror depending each character each class has different ones right 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 yeah right i think that's a way of of do do two things right is it kind of make your character or maybe multiple 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 things one is kind of give your character a little bit of background. Two is trying to give you a little bit of like insight into the your character, literally right. what the, the way char- you would play it. Yeah, right. And uh, and like I said, and background and stuff, and, and give you an insight on how to play that character. Yeah, you know, what the, what is that character like? So something that that hadn't hadn't been done in previous editions. But anyway, so do other other games have have anything close to alignment? And the, I can only think of two games that even dealt with this other games don't even care like top secret there's no alignment a space opera no alignment traveler no alignment uh, nothing there's no alignment anything nothing close you can play your character any way you want the only game i could, could think of was cap uh king arthur Pen dragon they have they don't have alignment system but they have those traits that kind of guide you as to which way you and then if you don't play it that way like the GM will say, well, make your make your piety roll, or make your greed roll, whatever it is, and then if you miss it or make it, depending on which way it is, you have to play it that way, which I think is pretty fascinating. I've already, already talked about uh, King Arthur Pendragon, how I really like that system of traits and how that really helps you play your knight. It really does. Well, and it goes back to the knight, right? The right. knight has. There's a code that you're supposed to go by, right? But not every person is going to be able to be that knight that's straight down the middle and does everything they're supposed to do. Right. Because you're going to get upset. You're going to be lustful. All of these different things, right? So in those two columns of traits, depending on what you're doing, you can literally see which way you're going to go, right? Well, your chances. Your chances, (laughs) yeah. Well, another thing is that because... King Arthur Pendragon is is such a niche, and we talked about it, I've talked about it before, it's such a niche genre, right? It's about Mallory's version of Pendragon, I mean, of of, of King King Arthur. Arthur. And Mallory writes about 
bouts of you know here is like Lancelot, the one of the best knights there is, and he's lustful, right? And yeah. he's and he breaks the rules of knighthood, right? And so, I think it's just a, a fascinating way of dictate not dictating morality, but having it creep up in your game in in a system. And I think it does a really fair job, really good job of doing that. I mean, I can't think of an. Uh, I was thinking of of Tecumel. They have the the twelve gods of uh, well, there's twelve gods, and six are stability, and six are change. Now, none of them are good, right? Right? Then there's no good in you know. There's nothing good in front of any. Right, right. None of them are necessarily evil, but the change ones, if we were to call them good and evil, kind of fall in the. A change is chaos, right? Right. And then stability is like law. Yeah. But then again, the lawful ones aren't good either. They're not necessarily good, right? The well, yeah. Stability, it, right? <laughs> you know, at least the authoritarianism. Gods are only human, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's a bad joke. Yeah. So, so but uh, I think a lot of people, a lot of games just do away with the whole idea of alignment because it's, it's it kind of, it does kind of force people to play a certain way if you were to follow the alignment system. I think people don't like anything to, to, what it, to box well, them in. It kind of de- depends on what you're playing. Like if you're playing um, werewolf or vampire, oh, wow. then alignment is going to be a, something you're not going to want to touch, right? Because <laughs> you might have to eat it. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Well, that's the other thing is that... Like, uh, but I think there there's rules. Uh, there's, I think there's... that Call of Cthulhu kind of it has nothing to do with alignment. I guess it does more like because you you're gonna lose your sanity the more things you <laughs> discover are real or you think are real or you see right. Right. So then it's gonna change the way that you're doing stuff. Yeah. Because you're because you're because you become obsessed with certain things like we have to perform this ritual to get rid of this right and okay. you you're. You, you're losing your mind, so you get more uh, creative on how you do things. Yeah, what you're going to do. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that's a whole different mechanic but, of sanity uh, stuff. This, so it's sanity versus the, it's, it's a way to get you to play your character oh, a little bit true. different. Right, right. No, no. Yeah, that's true. I think that's. But it has nothing to do with alignment. Right. I mean, it has nothing to do with good and evil, it has to do with craziness. <laughs> So let me. Uh, I was talking about other games. That the only ones I can think of. Uh, so do I think that sixth edition is going to have alignment? Have you read stuff about it? What the, that no. there? Have you thought? I don't think there's anything official has come out. Oh, okay. So everything's like, if it, it's whispers, you know, and rumors. Uh, as far as I know, uh, I haven't really been paying attention to it though. If you know, I haven't really looked into it. But the only rumor that I heard remembering remembering is that they're going to do away with alignments. Another thing is ability scores, since we don't use them. Uh, the one That's going to be a really hard one for people. I think so. Because, well, you know, you, you look at that, and you do use them in a way, because you use, the, you use the, um, the pluses that you get to your, to your um, skills. Right. Because if you have a plus two to dexterity, it gives you stuff for different skills. Yes. That's how they use it. So, But they might change the, instead of you having a, whatever gives you a plus two, a 16 or whatever. Yes. Maybe you have a. Just a plus just two. Just a plus two. Yeah. Which well, will be hard for people because it's chaotic change. <laughs> well, I, I remember I was listening to the per- person in charge of Pathfinder 2. He did an interview and he was talking about 
what he would change, right? Because I think Pathfinder 2 got rid of alignments. I'm not sure. I don't have it. But he was talking about changes. And one of the changes he was talking about that he wished you could make was getting rid of the ability scores and just having plus one, plus two, plus zero. I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. And he and he said, and the only reason he didn't do that and the company didn't do that, Pathfinder, Piazzo, was because backlash of people rebelling against They did idea. a play test, right? With it? Trying yes. to do that? And... And I'm telling you, people do not like change because <laughs> they want to know what their strength is. Yeah, they especially said, Pathfinder people because they're very into to stats and stuff like that. I, I I'm saying that because the boys love Pathfinder. In fact, Augustine's gonna run a game for us in Pathfinder, so I'll just rebought the books because the other ones were like falling apart. Well, and they're, they're, they're the little pocket size edition, so I won't be able to read them. But my <laughs> And that my, you my, just have to take off your glasses. My, son, yeah. my son and the and and his friends will. And one of them, I guess, we don't have, which is is kind of interesting. I thought we had them all, but obviously not. No, we're talking about first edition, not second edition. Yeah, they they wanted to go old school. Yeah, it's kind of weird. That's kind of weird. Uh, maybe we should talk about that in another podcast. Going back to the previous editions and yeah, and staying with them. We kind of think you know, we've got, we've talked about it just off the microphone, obviously about. Why would anybody want to go back and play like AD and D, right? It's, or some people never. Because there's a lot of people who really that's all they play. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because... Well, I'm talking about people who went ahead and played third edition, maybe Pathfinder, maybe even fifth edition, but then went back to AD and D. Because that's what they like. Yeah, right. I don't know if I would want that. I don't know, but the boys like Pathfinder, and that's the one they played the most when they were younger. That's true. And might, the are idea they having that nostalgia. I, I I don't know if it's nostalgia, nostalgia but it, it, yeah, it's something. <laughs> it's something about those numbers, right? They they like the way the numbers work versus you know fifth edition is just too loosey goosey for them. Well, if you think about it, it's been a half their lifetime since they played. Yeah, and that's when you're that young. It seems a long time ago. Yeah, you know when you're eight and nine and playing Pathfinder. Uh, and I, I think you played even younger. Uh, and but they played till older too. Well, yeah, I think well until, until we start playing or something. So. We start playing D and D fifth edition, but uh, but it's kind of funny that that they have this uh, nostalgia kick to want to go play that game. So newer games. So if sixth edition tries to, does get rid of of stats, oh stats and alignment, and alignment. that's a, that would be interesting. Yes. So I don't know if this helped you with the alignment. And what it is, and why, how, why, why why you use it, if you use it at all, or even look at it, maybe well, you will. I think that's why it's going out, right? Because I don't think people use it. I mean, the the amount of the percentage of people who play fifth edition D and D, how many actually use alignment? And I'm gonna guess it's probably or use it in any way. It's probably pretty. Low. Other than just when they're making their character and they check the box. <laughs> they check the box. <laughs> Chaotic good. Chaotic good. Always chaotic good. <laughs> this is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And you have a good day. <laughs>